how many of you know the experience of being labeled? I don't mean you've had an experience where someone has come up and literally stuck some type of label to you, like a food label or a for sale sticker or something like that. I'm talking about the labels that people often carry in life. Let me give you some of the typical ones. Dad, mom, a label. Husband, wife, son, daughter, nephew, niece, cousin, uncle, aunt, or aunt, if you prefer. These are labels that probably all of us have experience carrying. Many of us carry multiple labels at the same time. Spouse, parent, child, sibling, grandparent, grandchild, employer, employee, retiree, just tiree. We understand the experience of having or carrying labels some of these labels are easy to recognize they're relational or they're vocational i'm an accountant i'm a plumber i'm a business owner i'm a cashier i'm a, a waiter a waitress i'm a a flight attendant i'm a pilot we we understand these kind of easy to recognize labels and those type of labels are for the most part also easy to carry it it's okay to have those labels we don't regret those kinds of labels others are more difficult to recognize and carry labels like cheater, liar, divorcee, addict, and we could go on. As we are in Luke chapter 1, looking at Christmas according to the gospel according to Luke, we come into this Christmas season and some of us, if not many of us, have carried or carry labels that are hurtful, that are difficult, that are painful, that we regret and carry remorse over, that we have not yet healed from. And perhaps for whatever reason, those labels that you may have received at one time or another are even more difficult to carry during a season like a holiday season. But here's something I want you to recognize today. Whatever labels you may have carried or carry now, the Christmas story is a Christmas that rewrites your labels because of a Savior who came for us all. 
And that reality should inspire us to rejoice in, to praise, and to worship our God this Christmas season. We have a God who loved us so much that he sent a Savior who has the power, the love, and the grace to rewrite any label that you may carry. That's what I think about in Luke chapter 1 today. Luke 1 opens with two important revelations from God to specific individuals. First, as we saw last Sunday, the angel Gabriel appeared to Zacharias as he was fulfilling his responsibilities in the temple to announce the conception of his son John with whom he would conceive with his wife Elizabeth. And then six months after Gabriel appeared to Zacharias to announce the birth of John the Baptist, he appeared to this young lady, likely just a teenager at the time. A young lady who was like Zacharias and Elizabeth, a godly young woman. She had in preparation for her upcoming marriage and just in obedience to the law of God, she had kept herself pure. She was faithful to Jehovah, to Yahweh. And this angel now appears to her to announce to her as a young teen girl that she would conceive a son. The promised one. The Messiah. Christ, the one promised and prophesied from the Old Testament that she would carry him. She's astounded by this announcement and wonders, how can this be when I don't know a man? I, I've never had the normal relationship with a man that could produce conceiving a child. And the angel shared with her that truth that we love and cling to, that with God, nothing shall be impossible. And we can flip that around and say it this way, all things are possible to God. All things. And what we find toward the end of the text that we read earlier in the service is this young lady, after she goes to visit Elizabeth, who happens to be her cousin... And when she comes into Elizabeth's presence, the baby in her womb leaps. Now, she's six months pregnant. Movement in the womb is not unusual at this point, but Elizabeth recognized there was something unique about this movement. And she herself is filled with the Holy Ghost, and she gives praise to God that she is in the presence of the one who is carrying the promised one. And then, 
Mary herself follows up with a song. She lifts up her voice in praise to God. Interestingly, this song is the only information we have about Mary between the angel's message and the child's birth. There's nothing really between for us. We know the angel appeared, told her you're going to conceive the one. She visits Elizabeth, and next thing we know, she and Joseph are in Bethlehem, and she's giving birth to the child. But I find this shocking to me. I find it shocking that this would be Mary's response. And here's why. Because Mary knew all about labels. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Consider what happens in John chapter 8. At this point, Mary's not on the scene. Jesus has grown. He's, he's going about doing his ministry. At this point, the religious leaders of Israel have put themselves in opposition against him, and they are looking for anything and everything to discredit him. And Jesus speaks to them in John chapter 8 about his father, God. And listen to how they respond in John chapter 8, verse number 41. It'll be there on the screen for you. In John 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse number 41, those religious leaders respond to Jesus and, and they speak to him and tell him that ye, or he said, ye do the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we be not born of fornication. Now, why did they say that? Why did they say, Jesus, we be not born of fornication? Because more than 30 years after his birth, there was still this uncertainty about his origin. There was still this uncertainty about how he was conceived and how he came into the world. There was this uncertainty about how Mary became pregnant with him. Who was the father? They didn't know. And they assumed that he was born of fornication just as Joseph assumed before having his own angelic messenger show up and tell him that Mary had conceived of the Holy Ghost. What was Joseph preparing to do prior to that? To put her away, to divorce her. Why would he do that? What did he assume he assumed that she had become pregnant through having relationship with some man that was not him. If Jesus 
30 plus years after his birth is still being questioned is it reasonable to believe that 30 plus years later there were still some who gave Mary a label cheater fornicator adulteress Mary knows knew about labels and yet notice what she's doing here in Luke chapter 1 she's lifting up her voice in praise to God this is a part of the Christmas story isn't it this is a part of this season that we celebrate Mary praised God in response to and in recognition of her his work should you have been Mary should you have been this one how might you have responded to the words of Gabriel and the work that God was going to do and before you answer remember Mary's context that we've been talking about she's an unwed pregnant young woman and in almost this shocking revelation this is Mary's response here's a young woman likely still a teenager in the first trimester of an unplanned miraculous pregnancy and yet she's facing already criticism cruelty and condemnation among even her family and her friends and other followers of her faith that's what she's experiencing and you know this unfortunately sounds a lot the way that some churches and some church people treat other people with labels criticizing cruelty condemning Mary knew what it was to experience that and yet what do we find her doing here in Luke chapter 1 she is praising God in that situation Mary uh, had a joy that compelled her to lift her voice in praise to the Lord. She was filled with the Spirit of God. She was filled with the Word of God. And being filled with these always leads to joyful praise. And here's what Mary didn't do. She didn't complain about the labels of others. She instead rejoiced in the labor, label God gave her. You say, well, what label did God give her? When the angel showed up in his message, he said, you're highly favored. You are a recipient of the grace of God. That's what the angel was saying. You're highly favored among women. You're a recipient of the grace of God. God knew Mary's heart and God poured out his grace on her, allowing her, privileging her with being the one 
who would carry the Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament. And while others criticized her, while others were cruel, while others condemned her, she didn't complain about those things. She focused on God and she rejoiced in him. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 18 through 20 command and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 16 and 17 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Always remember this reality. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, and where the Word of the Lord is, there too is the joy of the Lord. Friends, if you and I say, I'm filled with God's Spirit, I'm filled with God's Word, then we must understand where these are, there too is the joy of the Lord. Whatever situation you're, you face, whatever it may be that you're going through even this Christmas season, whatever label that others may have stuck on you, or even a label that you've stuck on yourself, whatever your situation is, if you're filled with the Spirit of God and Word of God, you can face that situation in the joy of the Lord, which is your As we think about Mary's response to God's work, we find in verse number 46, look at it again in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46, we find that she magnified the Lord. The Bible says, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. How many of you have ever owned or used a magnifying glass? Or some type of instrument that magnifies whatever it is that you're looking at. And that's what it's for, isn't it? A, a magnifying glass or an instrument that, that does a similar operation is used to make something larger, to blow it up, to make it big. It, it, it allows you to take a closer look at that item it is to make something great. In fact, our English word magnify comes from a Latin word that means to make large or to make great. When the Bible says that Mary magnified the Lord, it means that she exalted God. She responded to God's work by examining Jesus. Because that is who the Lord is. That is the baby that she would carry in her womb. She took a closer look at him. She examined him in all his wonder. She responded to God's work by making much of 
Jesus declaring his goodness for others to know. If you think about it, it's interesting to notice that Elizabeth, as she was filled with the Spirit and praised God, she gave a lot of attention to Mary for carrying the Messiah, but Mary turned and gave all the attention to Jesus, even as she was bearing him in her womb. My friends, that is exactly what you and I should do this Christmas season. We should magnify the Lord. We should make much of Jesus. We should take time to get out the magnifying glass and take a closer look to examine more diligently to make greater our Savior, Jesus Christ. J.C. Ryle, a preacher and teacher of yesteryear, I believe I've shared this before, as he was speaking to a group of preachers, he gave this encouragement. He said, above all, let us never forget the advice that George Whitfield gave in one of his letters. Let us make much of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are many things of which we may easily make too much of in our ministry, give them too much attention, or think about them too much. But we can never make too much of Christ. And friends, isn't that true in your life and mine? Sometimes we make too much of other things. Sometimes we make too much of the things of this world. Sometimes we make too much of labels. Sometimes we make too much of the daily drag of life. Sometimes we give too much thought and attention to the things of this life. But may we remember, as we are often guilty of not making enough of him, that we can never make too much of Jesus. Can I encourage you this Christmas season... Rather than magnifying the decorations, rather than magnifying the get-togethers, rather than magnifying the present list that you need to check off, rather than magnifying all of those other things that are not wrong in and of themselves. But I think if we're honest, we would all admit that sometimes we make too much of those things. Let us be faithful to make much of Jesus. Because after all, isn't he the very reason that the day is set aside? Isn't he the reason that we have a Christmas season? Isn't the gift that God gave us in incarnating Jesus Christ, God come in the flesh, the very reason that we even have the word Christmas, Christmas, if that's true, then let's magnify him this Christmas season. She magnified the Lord. Notice she rejoiced in God. Verse 47, my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Is there any purer, truer, joy that you and I can have 
than the recognition of God who is our Savior. The God of heaven, the creator of all things, the God whom we turned our back on, didn't turn his back on us. Instead, in love, grace, and mercy, he sent Jesus to be the one who would give his life for us. Think about it here. God chose Mary to be the vessel to bring his son Jesus into the world, and yet Mary was what you and I are, a sinner. A person who, though certainly, had done her best, to follow God as a faithful Jew, yet she was not perfect, like we are not perfect. Mary knew that God was the Savior, the Savior she needed, and that understanding produced joy, even in difficult circumstances. Because don't convince yourself otherwise. It was difficult for her. Have you responded today to the truth that God is the Savior? Over and over again, the Bible declares to us that He is the Savior. Not only He is the Savior, He is the only Savior. There is none other, no other name by which you and I can be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. And if you know that today, that knowledge is a source of joy that cannot be stripped away from you no matter what else happens, no matter what labels others may stick on you. If you know Jesus as your Savior, no one can take that from you. She rejoiced in God. I want you to consider with me not only her response to God's work, but her recognition of God's work. We find that Mary recognized that God was working. He was working in her. In verses 48 and 49, Mary speaks of this as she talks about how, how God had regarded her. It had been mighty and had done great things to and for her and that his name is holy. And so she recognized that God had worked for her. She also recognized in verses 50 through 53, it wasn't just about her. It was about everyone. Eight times in these verses, Mary uses the statement, he hath to declare the blessings that God was pouring out through this work he was doing. And notice how it, it came to all. In verses 50, and 50 through 53, you find Mary discussing three groups or three types of people. People who are helpless. People who are humble. That, that is, people who who are in depressed condition, poverty, oppressed, whatever it may be, and the hungry. People who are helpless, people who are humble, people who are hungry. And Mary sees what God is doing 
as a work for these people. People who can't take care of themselves. People who can't meet their needs in and of themselves. People who are weak. People who are beggarly. People who are oppressed. These are exactly the people that God sent Jesus for. Listen again to these familiar words that Jesus declared in Luke 4, 18 to 21. Jesus it at the synagogue in Nazareth declared, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. How could he say that? Because he was the one promised. He's the Son of God, God with us, who came to live among us, to experience the brokenness of this world. But not just so he could know all about it, but so that he could do something about it. He lived the perfect life we can't, died the death we deserve, and rose again by the power of God to offer us all what we could not get, what we could not find, what we could not earn on our own. Salvation, forgiveness of sin, redemption. Jesus is that work of God for all. And then in verses 54 and 55, she recognized God worked specifically for Israel. God's chosen people. The people about whom the Old Testament follows their history. Why? Because this is the family, this is through whom God sovereignly decided he would send the Messiah into the world. God had made promise after promise after promise to them. And for decades, for centuries, they waited. Understand that even as you come to Luke chapter 1 and an angel showed up in the temple to speak to Zacharias, this wasn't an everyday occurrence. It wasn't an every year. It wasn't an every century occurrence at that point. From the close of the Old Testament in Malachi to what took place there when the angel appeared to Zacharias in the temple, God had been silent for four hundred years. There had been no prophet. There had been no angelic messengers. There had been no one receiving and declaring the word of God, his revelation to man. And then all of a sudden, God set into motion everything he had promised to them. And what did it show? God's faithful. 
He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promise. He's faithful to all that he ever said he would do. And because of that, Mary magnified the Lord. She rejoiced in God. Even in the midst of difficulty. Even as she faced criticism and cruelty and condemnation from others. Even as others gave her labels that for her were unjust. She didn't focus there. She didn't complain about it. She instead focused on God and rejoiced in Him. Friend, if you've been living with labels that others have given you, you will find joy hard to come by this Christmas season. If you focus on those things things of this world in that way you will find it difficult to experience joy this Christmas season instead of living there focus on your God given labels what are your God given labels if you know Christ that's your homework assignment this week what are your God given labels if you know Jesus? Child of God. Forgiven. Redeemed. Righteous. Holy. Priest of God. Kings. And we could go on. Focus on those this Christmas season. If you'll focus on those labels this Christmas season, you will be transported to a place of worship. Can I ask you, do you have these labels today? Do you have the label saved, forgiven, child of God? If you say, I don't know if I have those labels. I'm not sure if I have those labels and trust Jesus today. God sent him to this world to offer salvation and forgiveness to all who would trust in him. And if you have those labels, no matter what else you may be facing in life, you can experience joy this Christmas season.